the thing with cats is that you just never be able to make them do things that you want. They just do whatever they want. Join us as we chat to amazing cat explorers and experts. Learn from them, listen to their war stories, celebrate their wins, and laugh at the funny moments that have been a part of their journey. Welcome to the Cat Explorer Podcast. I'm Asara. And I'm Daniel. Before we jump into today's exciting chat, we would love it if you could take a photo of what you're doing or a video of what your cat's doing, upload it to your Instagram stories and tag us at catexplorer.community and our awesome guest at Tomon Hajime. We can't wait to hear what you think of today's episode. Today's review is from Leo Nacho Chizo. Lots of information welcoming community. This podcast is extremely helpful, interesting, and makes adventuring with your cat more accessible and less daunting. The most amazing feeling I get from this podcast is that cat explorers are a small community but growing. I always feel right at home as if the members all around the world are with me and my cat on every step of the way. Thank you so much for such a lovely review. Really do appreciate it, Leo Nacho Chizo. It would mean the world to us if you could leave a review for the Cat Explorer podcast wherever you listen. There's instructions on how you can do this in the episode description. Thank you. We'd like to thank the amazing members of the Cat Explorer Purse Squad and the Cat Explorer producers. Their support makes sure that Cat Explorer can continue to create the free resources to help you give your cat the world. We'd like to say a huge thank you to our co-producers for Season 6 of the Cat Explorer podcast. That's Roxy the Kitty, Ziggy and Charlie, Luna Misty Blue, and Xavier and Jasper. To join these amazing Cat Explorers as Cat Explorer producers, or to become a member of the Purse Squad, go to catexplorer.co forward slash support. We've been lucky enough to meet today's guest a few times, and each time we probably bombard her with so many questions. So we're actually super excited to do that again today. Yuki has three cats, Yubi, Tomoya, and Hajime. She also f- often fosters multiple kitties and has a wealth of knowledge. On a personal level, she's been such a big supporter of Cat Explorer. When we organized our first meetup in November 2018, we weren't sure if anyone would turn up, but Yuki, Yubi, and some other amazing kitties turned up and that encouraged us to organize even more. Today, we're so excited to chat to Yuki. Welcome to the podcast, Yuki. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to chat to you, but before we dive in about talking about each of your cats. I'd love to know what cats you have at the moment because we know you foster a lot of cats. So firstly, how many cats do you have at the moment and do you mind taking us through each of their names and a little bit about them? So at the moment, I have five cats, three of my own and two foster cats. So starting with the two cats that start everything, my Instagram handle is Tomoya and Hajime. So let's start with Tomoya. Tomoya is and Hajime are both of my first cats and Tomoya's name means the smart one, although he is the opposite of the smart one. <laughs> and then Hajime means the first. Uh, I think he's the older of the two. Um, that's the first two cats I had. And I started the Instagram account. And then three months later, I got Yubi. Yubi is a Bengal. And she's our cat exploring kitty. And we have Aspen and Opal, which is our foster cat at the moment. Awesome. So... Tomea and Hajime are ragdoll kitties, is that correct? Yep, they are. And are they si- yep. uh, twins, siblings from littermates? Yeah, they're littermates. Okay. Yeah, littermates. <laughs> yes. For a moment there, I forgot what the right word was. <laughs> so what kind of cat exploring do you do with Yubi? 
So you, we, we usually go to parks, coastal walks, and sometimes beaches. And we sometimes we are trying more hikes during the winter time. We do more of the exploring in winter, and we try to stay at home as much as often in the summer heat. And it mostly involves me carrying her around, and less of walking, like her herself walking. It's usually carrying. Sounds a little bit like Lumos. Yeah. <laughs> so we've actually met Yubi, and she's probably the most food motivated cat that we've ever met, and we love it because. It means that she's always happy to give cuddles and love, and yeah, you know, she just responds so well to food. Have you found that this is pretty useful with training her when she goes cat exploring? Absolutely. So the only thing that matters to her is food, and I usually just have to show her food to get her moving most of the time. Although she has her moments sometimes, but usually she'll be happy to follow where the food goes, so it's easy to get her moving. So, do you use that to encourage her to walk as well? Like, because I know the reason I ask is a lot of cats in our community, their um, owners struggle to get them to follow them on a walk. Like, I suppose, like a dog does. So, they're trying to find different ways to encourage their cat to walk. And I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie, that's something we've struggled with um, with our cats. We find that, like, Lumos is very food motivated, but he won't follow the food if you're like, "Come follow me." You have to. He actually follows us more than follows the food. So, does that work with UV? Yeah, she followed the food, but when she's distracted, it doesn't work. And when she had enough of the food, she won't like do it for the food anymore. This is a bit tricky with cats. I think it's the thing with cats is that you just never be able to make them do things that you want. They just do whatever they want. So there is a limit to it, and I suppose that is somewhat like Lumos as well. Because when we do, say for example, clicker training, he will he is food motivated. And he will do his tricks and his spins and so forth when you motivate him with the food. But it gets to a point where he goes, nah, I'm finished. I'm done. I'm yeah, no longer interested. And no matter what food you stick under his nose, he, he won't do it. Yeah, they do have their own moments because cats are still cats in the end of the day. <laughs> That's right. So we talked about some of the cat exploring, the hikes that you do. And Sydney's got some beautiful coastal walks. And we love that we you be does those walks. So we've been wanting to try that with Lumos and Oxy as well, but we're a bit scared of how many dogs there are and how it can be a bit noisy as well with the waves. And and you mentioned summer. Well, we mentioned how you don't normally go with the summer because summer's the other consideration for us and the heat. So how do you pick how, which walks to do and how do you navigate those walks? If we ever go out during the summer, which we sometimes still do, we usually choose to go in very early mornings, like get there, get to the place around first light. So we should leave the house when it's still dark. And so it will be still be cool for like a few hours when we get there. And I carry her most of the way, to be honest. So she really doesn't really get like overheat. And at the co- and the, at those coastal walks, there are a lot of owners that do morning runs with their off-leash dogs, which I'm totally fine with. But the only thing is the coastal walks are very, very narrow. So when it's really difficult to have the cat walking along the pathway and have other people like running and other dogs running, it's just too close to too close to everybody, and it's not ideal for anyone. So yeah, I agree with you. One of my big concerns with those coastal walks is the tightness of the paths and the fact that people are constantly running by as well. So like usually when we see a runner, we just grab the kitties or they jump in their cat backpack. But I feel like they would just be constantly doing that. So um, do you ever find really quiet ones or do you go to the most popular ones? 
I go to the most popular one, the one in Bondi. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really busy no matter what time of day. So it's mostly carrying her and she likes it that way. So there, there are bits in the middle that are more spacious and I let her out during those spacious plays. But most of the walk, I just carry her. That's understandable. It's um, They've recently opened up some new walks in Sydney as well, some coastal walks. So I'm really curious to see how those are. Um, but yeah, I just... You're right. Sometimes we just have to carry our cats through those busy places. How do you pick those places where you let her out of the cat backpack? So they're usually like the path goes through, the walk itself goes through like a few big dog parks and the dog parks is like they have different levels with like rocks and grass and it's very spacious. So the dogs have their own space to run and my cat could have her own little corner where she could sniff her stuff and there are parts that have a lot of rocks and rock pools and stuff like that and she would just sniff around and those places usually everyone could have their own space and doesn't really overlap so we've noticed recently that it's not just yubi that started cat exploring that we've um you've got one of the other two cats as well that we talked about previously they've also started cat exploring what's been your approach to getting them introduced to cat exploring and what's been any differences or similarities between them? So the one that was on my Instagram that was, that went outside was Hajime. And for him, Yubi to start with is already very little walking and more stopping and sniffing. (laughs) Hajime takes that to another step. He (laughs) does not want to walk at all, but he's happy. He's happy. He could move around. He would like to sniff things, but he would just not listen to you because he is not, food motivated at all he just does what he wants he's not really too interested in food and when he's outside he's a bit nervous and it's understandable for nervous cats not to eat and i've tried leash training all three of them when they're kittens and i wasn't able to do it more consistently with hajime and tomoya because they are not that responsive and i had i went for the easier option training yumi and so the other two i didn't follow through and Hajime just recently they are always harness trained so I kept having them wear a harness at home when I'm around to make them get used to it but they never really walked outside on the leash ever so they the only for Tomoya the only cat exploring he does is I open the door of my apartment he'd walk around the corridor (laughs) that's all he does and he's happy like that sniffing everyone's doors and Hajime he likes to do that as well and sometimes we'll bring him to cafes where he could sit and watch people and let people admire him that's what he likes <laughs> and that's the kind of exploring that they do but Toma he just does not go outside at all well I love how you basically highlighted that each cat with their own personality has different levels of cat exploring that they're comfortable with and that they're you know perfectly happy with and the main thing that you highlighted there was that they're happy with their level of cat exploring that, you know, some for some it's just going outside and sniffing the corridors, doors. For others, it's going into their backyard and some love to go on the coastal walks and that's where they really get a kick out of it. And it's all okay. It's all perfect, perfectly acceptable as long as, you know, you've sort of basically tuned it with your cat's personality and what their likes and dislikes are. 
Absolutely. It's very important to understand that cats have their own preferences and all we can do is to observe what they need, honor their, what they want, and not to force anything they don't want. And I think that's a reminder to all of us all the time because I know sometimes Noxie will do something and I want Lumos to do it, but I need to remind myself that they're very, like, they're from the same litter, but they're very different cats and they have very different likes and dislikes. And it's very easy to forget that sometimes, especially when you're out on a hiking trail and you want both of them to walk and get out, but it doesn't always happen. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I go to places, very pretty places with UV and take some really nice pictures. And I really, really want my other two to be able to do that and take those pictures as well, but it's just never going to happen. Yeah. And I think also like UV is quite, like she's quite used to going out and about as well. So it's easier for you to go to those pretty places as well and take those photos. Because for example, I'm not sure whether you could take Tamaya to Bondi Beach because there'd be too many people to die yeah (laughs) exactly you will die absolutely (laughs) like the noise the people the dogs everything that would be too much but for you it's not so bad because that's something she's used to so it's great that you think about their different personalities that way yeah so we understand that you're a second year vet student and you've got some you know experience and knowledge in that area regarding things like dental health food, nutrition, fostering. So we just want to jump into a little bit. And then also on a personal level, we're also aware that with you, Hajime and Tomoya, you've had your own adventures with cat dental health. So do you mind us taking us through that story and what happened with their teeth? So a year ago, um, I took them to have their first dental done. Uh, we decided to have that done because after a chat with my vet, um, I decided to start um, brushing their teeth and I would like to have a clean canvas to start everything on because have to clean to start brushing, have to clean everything on their teeth before you could start brushing. So it makes it more effective. So when they had their first dental, Tomoya had 10 incisors extracted and Hajime had five incisors extracted. And we also found out on the same day that they both have some issues with resorption, which is when the body itself digested some of their roots of the teeth and but prior to going into the procedure we did not expect to have any extractions to be honest as they only had very mild gingivitis and their teeth looked pretty good on the surface it was only after we went into the surgery and we did some x-rays on their teeth and then we saw tooth resorption, snap incisors, and all the nasty things that needs to be removed. Wow. <laughs> it was a journey. Wow. So um, for those who might not understand, I just wanted to define a few different things there. So a dental, is that like a when they go under anesthetic and get a, a clean, like what we do when we go to a dentist? Yep. And then the different types of teeth, so in, in Incisors are the front, uh, are the front ones, and then they have the four very long canines, two uh, on top and two at the bottom, and the back teeth are carcanaceous. Okay, so the front ones were the ones that were removed. Yeah, I didn't even realize there were that many in the front. <laughs> there are, I think, six on top and six at the bottom, oh. and Tomoe only have one left. Oh wow! And then, so then I didn't even realize that it was possible for the roots of the teeth to be absorbed into the body as well. Yeah, that is uh, quite common with cats. So, and you can't see it from 
like from just looking at her teeth, you have to go with x-rays to be able to see how the roots when it's when it's a healthy root, you'll see it's very clearly defined. You can see like a triangle shape. But when it's reabsorbed, there will be like some fuzzy lines and or so for example, like some part of it will be gone. And that's something that you can see in the x-ray only. Yeah, you can only see it in the x-rays. Oh, okay. So then and then you also mentioned that um the reason that you went to do the dental is because you wanted to have a clean slate to start brushing their teeth. Is that something that we should yeah. be doing? Like we should be talking to our vet about as well, if we want to start brushing our cat's teeth. Uh, yeah, but usually vets when when cats go in for their annual injections, they, usually the cat will give like the overall health check, and that includes uh, looking into their teeth. If they don't, you should ask them to do that because it's part of their health check, and they would usually have a look at the teeth and they would tell you what grade it is. So there's four grades of uh, dental scoring and from grade one to grade four, grade four is the worst and grade one is like the mild one. And they would recommend you to have a scale and polish and maybe they will go through dental health, how to keep their teeth clean with you. Did you find out what the cause of the issues were? So uh, do you mean why did they get their teeth extracted yeah as to yeah what how did their teeth get so bad and you know how how did these issues come about okay some so there are different reasons for my cats i think it's more genetic issues because the litter mates they both have it and ub they both have equally bad dental care for me when up to until that point so and for two of them to get that bad and one of them just have like fine no extractions no, not really, not too bad gingivitis. I think there's something to do with genetics as well. Mm. Okay. It, yeah, it just, you know, highlights to me how <laughs> we need to pay a lot more attention to these sort of things. And yeah, I'm a bit fearful of, fearful of what we'll find with Lumos and Noxie. <laughs> oh, they will be fine. <laughs> yeah, they will be fine. So just for everyone, um, you recently shared some information on Instagram in terms of signs of dental disease. So one of some of the things that you shared was bad breath, increased aggression, red cherry pink gums surrounding the teeth, buildup of tartar. Yep. So that's the discoloration of the teeth. Um, and then you can see some um, bul- bulges on the crown of the teeth. So that kind of indicates gum recession. And then dropping of food, especially hard food when – they, when they eat the hard food, so I suppose things like kibble and stuff. And reading that, I was kind of like, oh, my goodness, because Lumos has definitely started doing the last one. So that's something that it's a sign for us to, um, I suppose, start looking Watch at. Watch out for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, was there, like, did any of those things happen to your kitties? And was that what kind of made you decide to go to get the dent- the dental clean? So for my cats, if they only have the cherry red gum surrounding their teeth, and um, and we went in because for Tomoya, we knew, we know he lost a few tooth, the incisors that it just disappeared one day when I looked at it, and I was like, that's weird. We need to get that clean and looked at. That's why we went in. And so since I'm bringing one in, I might as well bring everyone in. Given the current situation now and the way they've had to go through some of the. Um, surgeries and removals how do they fare on a day-to-day basis with some of the teeth missing is it does it bother them at all or is it still business as usual 
they are cats are really adaptable, so they don't really care. They're, I'm sure they don't even know they lost a few <laughs> tooth here and there, but they don't really care. Yeah. But obviously, it's better to have them than not have them, because you know it just makes life a little bit easier. And, you, and so, I'd suggest. I suppose yeah, the message exactly. here is that you, you do need to keep an eye out for it and to take some action if mm. you find some signs of issues before it gets uh, too bad. Yep, and just prevent to have them extracted as good as possible. Just there, you should just try your best to keep their teeth clean so they could have a full set of teeth till they die. Yes, yes. Um well, talking about that, though, um, you shared uh, some safe products for cats' dental health. So what kind of things do you do to keep their teeth um, clean and healthy? So there's a few things that we can do. The most effective way is brushing your teeth daily. Um, you can use a finger brush, got some gauze or cotton pads wrapped around your finger, baby or pet toothbrush, pet dental wipes. But um, when using a toothpaste, be sure that you're only using a pet toothpaste as human toothpaste is toxic to cats and dogs. And the brushing effect actively removes the bacterial film, the plaque that covers their teeth. And the key here is consistency. So there's no point in brushing their teeth once a month as the film itself will mineralize over time into the calculus, also called tartar. And that's what you see as a discoloration. And that you cannot remove by simply just brushing their teeth. Which brings us on to another method to keeping your cat's teeth in check, which will be the professional uh, dental scale and polish done by your vet under anesthetics. And during that, it's best for the vet to use the dental x-rays to just find out if there's anything that goes on beyond the gum line where we can't see. Just let's not forget that 50% of the teeth is inside the gums and we can't see them. So I recommend having professionally done um, the scale and polish yearly if you don't brush your teeth at all. And another thing will be the Veterinary Oral Health Council accepted dental food, water additives, and dental treats. Everything on the list is scientifically proven to have an effect on preventing plaque accumulation if used according to the to their guidelines. And the tricky, but the tricky thing with these dental food additives and treats for the food, there are paper stating that it doesn't work unless it's fed 100% of the diet. So it might be inconvenient for some people because you won't be able to give them treats in, if you want the dental food to work. And it does not have like a 100% guarantee that eating the dental food won't get you dental diseases. So the best way is still to brush your teeth. And, you know, that's kind of like our teeth as well. The best way to look after our teeth is yeah. to brush and floss. So that does make sense. But that's... I'm um, really interesting. And what I feel silly saying it, but what the aha moment of what you just said is that 50% of the teeth is hidden in the gums. Like it's like an iceberg, right? You forget that there's so much hidden there as well. Um, exactly. And we spoke to Dr. Sam Sorensen back in one of our earlier seasons. seasons. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot which one. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes. But um, she actually also shared something about. Um, plaque removal rinses as well. So that's something that we're definitely going to start trying as well. And I've also read that you should look at which one you get because it depends on what stage your cat's dental health is at too. So in terms of the effectiveness too. So that's something that um, I think is important. 
what you've one thing that's highlighted to me is the fact that all three of your kitties have different types of dental health. Has have you had to change how you approach their dental care because they've got such different conditions? Yeah, they're mostly they all get their teeth brushed every day, and that because that's the most effective way. So I just do that for all of them, and also for the fact that Tomoya and Hajime has slightly worse teeth than Yubi. They, I would probably continue bringing them for yearly dentals and have a vet look at teeth and see if they would recommend having them professionally cleaned every year. But so far, we have done it yearly, and we just had our most recent one done like a month ago. Okay, so it is a little bit of different strategies for different cats because they've got different situations and conditions, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense when you talk it out loud and you go, okay, well, in humans, if we have different dental situations we would apply different strategies and solutions to them so why not with our cats so we'll put a link in our show notes of all the products and all the items that we've talked about in terms of helping out with your dental um, care for your cats you want to shift gears a little bit and talk about another one of your passions so anyone who's followed you for a while will be aware that you're nearly always fostering cats why is it important to you to foster cats for me personally, the main reason I started fostering was simply I wanted to have more pets around, but I'm not at a place to commit to another pet for another like 20 years. So I thought about fostering dogs because I like dogs and cats equally. Um, but puppies obviously require a lot more energy to train and work than what I could afford with uni on the side. So fostering cats it is it's also very nice to help um those kittens in need that are really in bad shape when i have the ability to yeah especially with your um technical skills as well in that space as well that would definitely help as well and for our i suppose us listeners uni is university which is college we all seem to call it different things all around the world so um like earlier on in the episode you mentioned that you've got five cats in your apartment um we live in a two-bedroom apartment and sometimes we struggle with just our two. How do you manage having five cats in an apartment and how do you keep them entertained? So I have toys everywhere <laughs> in the apartment and I have like three um, very tall cat trees at home. I live in a one-bedroom, one-study apartment, so it's quite small for a lot of cats, to be honest. But I have like make, I make sure they all have places to hide when they don't want to play and they are there are toys everywhere as I mentioned and they have a they actually have a toy basket and whenever I put things away somehow when I look around and then I came back come back there's like toys everywhere again they just take stuff from the basket and just have it slung over everywhere it's like having ghosts at home (laughs) and I try to keep them busy (laughs) I play with them every day uh, minimum uh, at least one play session a day uh, with some people some of them like to play with everyone and some like to play alone so I make sure I address so all their needs uh, if I have the time to and I also spend extra time with the kittens because they are usually more needy and I make sure they are well socialized and not awkward when people adopt them mm, that's so interesting that the well-socializing aspect of it as well is um, quite important. 
I'm not going to lie. I struggle to do one-on-one play without cats because like, it's hard to find the time. Do you use anything like interactive puzzles or um, like interactive toys for them when you're struggling with time? Yeah, so when I'm busy, when I need to study for finals, I have um, I have two ways to keep them busy because they love all of them love food, and I have this um, the key pack, the key mat thing that you could put uh, wet food over, and you could freeze it in the freezer, and you could take it out when they are starting to act, act up, and just put it on the floor, and they would just spend like hours licking it because it's all frozen. That is one way to keep them entertained. And another way is I do have a few interactive puzzles for dry food. And I'll just put some treats or their dinner and hide them in the puzzle. And especially Yubi, she would spend like a lot of effort and time into opening all the flaps and removing everything to make sure that she get all the food. So that really helps me with her because she is the one with the most energy. And others, sometimes I just throw their food out and they just chase and that's actually one way of playing as well Mm. that's so interesting so I had never thought about that licking mat idea that's a great one I'm going to actually start doing that because that's that's a great idea which um puzzles do you have is I vaguely remember that you have the Nina um oh goodness yes yeah I have that one yes because um we because we're recording this three days before Christmas in 2019. So that's actually Lumos and Noxie's Christmas present is that puzzle that you've got because that caught my eye. And oh, yeah, so I'm really excited for that one. And w- another one that we got for Christmas for them this year is the Doc and Phoebe. Um, they're like little mice and not not literal mice, but like toy mice and you can hide the dry food in there and then hide it around the house. So um, because we're trying to put in more interactive toys because at the moment it's summer it's very hot and it's also really smoky in Sydney so we actually haven't been able to take them out in weeks so that it's just been quite difficult to keep them entertained inside and I like Yuki's idea of the interactive toy which I've been doing for a while but never thought about as a toy which is I like to keep a clean apartment so I pick up all their toys put it into their toy uh, basket only to find Noxie and Lumos digging through the toy basket after a day or a couple of hours and finding all the toys spread out all over the apartment again. So that keeps them entertained for a little bit, I suppose. They do. So did you have any advice for anyone who's thinking about fostering cats? So for I think a good place to start with is having, if you have a spare room, uh, it could be a bathroom or laundry, as it could be quite handy even if you don't have your own pets, because usually the reason for having a spare room is to isolate new cats from your old, from your own cats. Um, even if you don't have pets, it's good to have a spare room because kittens could be quite messy and you'd like to have them in places where it's easier to clean up. And it's also, I think the most important one is to do good research of the on the rescue that you'd like to foster for or help out with and make sure they provide good support to their foster carers and not just because there are some organizations, they just dump kittens on you without any kind of support, like financial support or medical support. A good rescue should give you at least the medical support. And some might or might not provide food. So it's just good to know that what you're signing yourself up for. So how do you do that research? Do you speak to other foster um, parents from that rescue? Or is there something they can find online? Usually... 
I found mine through a um, university friend of mine. So she has been fostering for them and she vouched for them that they are good and responsible. But I think you could still also search online to see if they have all the details written out. Usually a good um, organized organization would have everything listed out and there are like some telltale signs of dodgy places and legit places. Usually dodgy places would try to emotionally motivate you to show you all the sad cases and and begging you to help them but may not have like the financial means or another sign to notice they might ask for financial help like you don't have money to save all these kitties these kitties are all dying and you need your donations now and the very emotive words those are dodgy signs of dodgy places that's um that's a good point that's something that i hadn't thought about and i suppose um our online community is growing so much as well so if you notice someone in your area who's fostering someone you can always reach out to them and ask them for their experience with that particular organization and see Um, because I know a lot of members in our community who do foster cats actually share which organization they're fostering from so that's a great way also so and like shifting a little bit more is that I know another passion of yours is cat nutrition and we've I've been having a lot of conversations with our community about um, cat nutrition and feeding our cats and it's actually a journey that we're on so if um, I suppose long-term listeners might remember back in season one we spoke to, spoke to wilderness cats about raw feeding as well and we learnt I think at that point we hadn't even considered raw feeding and we learnt a lot and that we actually recorded that episode a year ago today so it's been a whole year since that one and I'm not going to lie we're not 100% raw feeding because we do struggle with time and stuff like that so we actually have now transitioned to doing like we do different types of feeding every day um, and a bit of variety Um, and part of that is that we do use commercial pet food we do feed the cats commercial pet food but um, I'm not going to lie, sometimes I don't know what I'm looking for when I'm looking at commercial pet food. And recently you shared some information in terms of what we should be looking for in like the ingredients list or things like that on the packaging of commercial pet food to make sure that it's good for our kitties. Do you mind sharing what that is? Yep, I personally feed my, my cat one cat's a commercial pet food as well. So I think a good, quick way to is to check if the packaging itself, um, it, this should apply to wet food, dry food, and raw food as well. And um, to check the, if the packaging have these four things, the first one is complete and balanced. Second is feeding trials. Third one is AAFCO approved. The fourth one is the life stage the food is formulated for. And to elaborate on that, complete and balanced means that it provides your pet the right amount of every single nutrient they need per meal in the right proportions. Feeding trials means that it um, they have done trials to identify serious acute and semi-acute nutritional deficiency or excesses. AAFCO approved means the food has met nutritional requirements for one of AAFCO's life stages. And the life stage to check is just to be aware that you're not feeding adult food to a kitten or pregnant cat food to a adult cat because the nutritional requirement for each life stage is, is different. That's really interesting. So in terms of the balanced nutrition, is there somewhere that we can go look for what that actually means for our cats? Or is there a, is there something that 
is written on the packaging that says balanced nutrition or something like that. It's it should have the um, you could find the exact wordings of complete imbalance on the food if it's complete imbalance. So it's like a requirement. Oh, okay. I did. So yeah, I clearly haven't been looking at my packaging close enough because I didn't realize that it's they, okay. <laughs> they had that. That's really interesting. <laughs> so we talked about the raw feeding side of things a little bit, and you you've got some more information about raw feeding as well. Do you mind taking us through what that is in terms of recipes that we create for our cats? Um, I personally recommend cooking all meat uh, and offal thoroughly as there is the risk of bacterial and parasitic contamination. And some bacteria present in raw meat that are not harmful to your cat are zoonotic, which means it could pass on to humans and may have potential harmful effects on you especially if you live with immunocompromised people like children and elderly. Uh, if you want to feed raw, buy human-grade meat and completely disinfect um, everything that you use during the food prep. And for the recipes you find online, it depends on whether you're feeding this as an occasional treat or as a complete diet because there's more to consider when it is their entire diet. A lot of the recipes found online and some commercially available raw food may have either excess or insufficient micronutrients. And it is also very common for recipes online to have excess supplements. Feeding them such recipes would not have an immediate effect where you could see, but the imbalance of micronutrient can negatively affect your cat in the long run. Same as humans, we cannot like pump ourselves with vitamins and just not work like that. And make sure the commercial raw food you buy or test it regularly by the company to be complete and balanced. That's the most important thing. And ideally have microbial testing done. And if you're looking to putting your cat on 100% home cooked meals or raw food, consult a board certified small animal nutritionist. So they are vets who did extra study on small animal nutrition and they are qualified to give advice on them. And they will look into, so during their consult, they will look into your cat's health history and have a very thorough questionnaire that includes your cat's activity levels, your preferences, life stages, and they will help you create a complete and balanced recipe tailored to your specific cat. So it's good to remember that a recipe that worked for some cat in another country for a specific condition doesn't mean it will work for your cat with the same um, condition. They will help you find what is what works and what is appropriate for your cat. And there's this veterinary nutrition group website created by a board certified animal nutritionist, which has a very informative FAQ section and blog posts, which are all evidence-based and backed by science, which I think is really good for anyone who wants to know more about home-cooked meals and raw feeding. Also, you can check whether recipes you found online or you made up that are, if they are completely unbalanced by putting it into a website called Balance It, and it will let you know if it's lacking in any nutrients, vitamins, and minerals that your cat may need. That's so interesting. I didn't realize they were nutritionists for cats. So how do we go about finding those veterinarians with that um, specialty? Just Google? So they yeah, basically you could Google them so they are specialists or you could, I'm not sure about which um, the country that everyone else is in, 
but they might have like a portal that you could find special um, specialist beds for um, for nutrition. Say that's really interesting. That's something that um I had no idea about. So that's a great thing to um think about as well. So Yuki, we're coming up towards the end of the podcast, and before we let you go, we're going to jump into our final four questions. The first one being, what's one piece of advice you'd give to new cat explorers? Start slow and observe what your cat needs. Any cat can be an explorer, but not every cat would want to be an explorer. So very true. So what's been the most entertaining comment someone has said to you while you've been out and about with UB? Um, it's less of an entertaining comment, but like a inter- uh, funny thing that happened. We were doing a photo shoot uh, with um, the boat ties that we are ambassadors for like um, near Bondi. And, there, and somehow it so happened that someone else is also doing a photo shoot. Um, a human model is doing a photo shoot and they got super excited when they saw that we were nearby with our cat doing a photo shoot too. It was very cute. Oh, that's a lovely story. So which cat explorers inspire you? We and um, we are Chili Pepper and Suki Cat and Zeus the Bengal Cat are our explorers that inspire us. They have amazing photography and I'm jealous of them living in places where it snows because mm-hmm. the pictures they take are really, really pretty. <laughs> I completely agree with you. Um, I, because it is Christmas at the moment, so some of the places in Sydney have fake snow and I really wanted to take the cats there, but then I realised that some of the snow is actually toxic to cats and Noxie has a history of eating everything in sight, so we decided against going. <laughs> what product, service or program has been a game changer for UB? Um a game changer would be MaxiGuard dental wipes because I no longer have to use a toothbrush and toothpaste because one of my cat hate toothpaste. So the dental wipes actually is really con- convenient and you just don't have to do anything. Just pull a wipe out and wipe their teeth and that's all I need to do every day. Wow, that's so awesome. I, I suppose something we didn't touch on before is are they pretty um, happy to have their teeth brushed or is that something that you've had to work on uh it's definitely something that i had to work on in the beginning but now they understand that they cannot avoid having their teeth brushed so they just let me do it and have it done and over with they just gave up (laughs) so one of the things i suppose i haven't shared yet is with lumos he um likes to he tends to sleep and he's a very sound sleeper so you could do anything to him while he's asleep and he sleeps with his mouth slightly open sometimes so i use that as an opportunity to brush his teeth because he's not like if I, if he was awake, he wouldn't really let me do it. But when he's asleep, I can do anything. <laughs> that's really that's really nice of him. Um, yeah, I could say I would say like having when they're sleepy, it's easier to get him do anything like nail clips and everything. I usually wait wait until they were like just awake when they're still like a bit zombie like, and I do everything at that time. Yeah, it's um. I suppose we're very um, taking a lot of advantage there, but it really does help. That's the best time to do it. So, Yuki, where can we find you and your cats online? You can find us on Instagram at T-O-M-O-N-H-A-J-I-M-E, Tomo and Hajime. So we'll put those links and all the other links that we've mentioned into the show notes today. Thank you so much for listening. That's it for today. Until next time, enjoy giving your kitty the world. 